ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hello, I'm Clint Jasper and you're listening to A Big Country. Thanks for joining me as we take a trip around regional Australia. This week we're taking to the sky to get a bird's eye view of Queensland's channel country where floodwater is breathing new life into the desert landscape, creating a lush green oasis. We'll visit a cattle station near Broome where young people are learning the skills needed for a job in the pastoral industry and we'll hear about a new horse sport that's growing in popularity. It's called extreme cowboy racing and competitions are described as having a party-like atmosphere but participants say it's all about having fun on horseback. It is a lot of fun. When, when you get into it and actually understand the basis of behind, what's behind it, it challenges you. It's, and then it's a personal challenge. It's not, it's not so much a challenge out of the competition. It's a personal challenge that, you know, it's not to show your faults or anything like that. It's, you, come, you come and you see what you can achieve and then you can go home and, well, I'll work on that. And then you can see what else you achieve, can achieve next time. Saddling up for a sport that's not for the faint-hearted, we'll learn more about extreme cowboy racing later in the program. First today, we're pulling up a barstool at a much-loved outback pub that's the beating heart of its rural community. As Victoria Pengilly discovered, the publican's personal story is helping her to be a more sympathetic sounding board for customers and bringing a smile to the faces of travellers and locals. On a busy weekday night, Tracy Hatch is pouring beers and chatting to barflies at her pub in outback Queensland. Crammed with eccentric trinkets and akubras, said to be from local ringers, the Wellshot Hotel is the bustling hub of Ilfracombe, around 12 hours from Brisbane. From weary tourists, long-haul drivers and locals, the pub's remote surrounds tend to attract some larger-than-life personalities. The food's good, the beer's cold, lovely staff. Great atmosphere. Yeah, the only problem is the three people we met a week ago <laughs> that just won't leave us alone. Publican Tracy Hatch has a front-row ticket to it all. It's the people that make the pub. It's yeah, the people, that, the locals and, and our visitors that, that come through every year. For the past seven years, Tracy has been running the quirky waterhole in the town of around 200 people. It was a spontaneous visit in 2016 that spurred her to put in an offer. We come to the pub and I said to Paul, this pub's amazing and it was for sale and done my research and told him that I was buying a pub and took the paperwork down the tractor and I said, can you sign this? He says, have you bloody thought about it? So, yeah, really hard. So that's how I ended up here and, um, yeah, he, he was struggling a while to get used to it but, yeah, I think he's sort of... Yeah, taking it on board now after seven years. But life hasn't always been easy. In 2013, Tracy experienced a sudden mental health breakdown. I remember ringing mum, you know, saying that, you know, I just can't stop crying. And she said, oh, I think you're, you know, having a breakdown. And, yeah, it just went on from there. It was, yeah, really tough and, yeah, couldn't drive. It was just, yeah, something you couldn't control. Um, yeah, and still, like, to this day, you know, you always have those bad times, but they're not... The highs and lows of her life at the time had snowballed out of control. Coming from a stoic farming family, she says she'd never had much experience with depression or anxiety. Ten years later, the experience has taught her she's not alone. Um, Yeah, I certainly set my bar pretty high. Um, I love everything I do and but yeah, it's hard not to be everything to everyone and yeah, 2013, I yeah, probably the toughest time of my life. 
Established in the 1880s, the Wellshot Hotel was famously moved along the rail line from nearby Barcaldin and plonked on its current site in 1890. Word has it there were too many pubs for choice in Barcaldin and the Wellshot couldn't compete with its neighbours. The pub has now become a much-loved icon in the town, where tourists like Max Verls travel to every year. I'm just the people, you know, and, and we've made a lot of friends here over the years, and, and they all say, you're coming back next year, you're coming back next year. That's good. You go out to different properties and you always made feel welcome. They're lovely people. It's also become somewhere where local ringers can blow off steam after a hard day's work. Yeah, to probably probably too often. Uh, come in for the darts on Wednesday and the Joker on Friday and uh, yeah, a few other nights too on the way. So no, it's good fun, good fun. Tracy, who was also a local councillor, recently took out the prestigious Queensland Hotels Association Award for Hotelier of the Year. She says it's the community spirit that keeps the characters coming back night after night. People come in, they come in when they're happy, they come in when they're sad, so if you can be a sounding board for those ones, and no matter whatever they're feeling, yeah, yeah, you're doing. You know, if you can make one person smile a day and yeah, get them through the next day, it's fine. Virtual traffic, Cessna 210, X-ray, X-ray India is lining up and rolling, runway 14. Birdsville pilot Jonathan Ray has been busy in recent months, taking tourists on sightseeing flights around far western Queensland. Yeah, so it's a pretty unforgiving climate out here, but it's made obvious about what, what we can see to the left and right side of the aircraft, that red raw sunburnt country. But some of his passengers have travelled 1,600 kilometres from Brisbane to see more than just the desert. Not too long after getting airborne, does a new spectacle reveal itself. It's magic. This landscape out here is a, it's an arid climate. So really to, to imagine that we can have this kind of uh, flooding out here is quite spectacular. Floodwaters from the states far north in March are slowly making their way down to Lake Eyre in South Australia. So in the Channel Country, the billabongs and wetlands are full. So Lake Makati is actually also classified as an IBA, an important bird area. So classified by BirdLife International. So we get the likes of pelicans, cormorants, heron, the odd spotted duck as well. More importantly, all that water that comes through from up north will carry with it a heap of nutrients and deposit all of that through and in the soil. And as a result, we get about 250 species of plant life that'll grow up as a result. And so the magic doesn't really come when we have um, flooding in Lake Makati and you just see this inland sea event. It's more when the water recedes and the channels pop out as a result and the greenery that comes out is, uh, is uh, pretty spectacular. Meanwhile, back on the ground, on the edge of the Munger Theory Simpson Desert. Came here because as you can see across the river there, where that ripple is, that's the line of stones where they built their fish traps. Ranger and Wankanguru Yalu Yandi man Don Rollins is soaking up the sight of flowing creeks and rushing water. I think you can name any bird in the country here because they're all here. You know, over there we've got some spoonbills, some cranes, and uh, I see a lot of ducks up the other channel. Yeah, and then it's dry, you know, the birds that live out on the side, the willy wagtails and the cockatoos. So every, everything means tucker, everything is tucker, so... Uh, we just need to be able to feast on whatever the seasons provide and, and the floods provide the best. I've lived here all my life and the drought has its own beauty. The rains and the flood brings another beauty. So for me and people who live in this country, the rain and the flood changes your mindset just for the minute, you know, just so you can enjoy what you see. Like I know down at Goiters Lagoon, 
all that country is flooded and there's waters and there's flowing through the lignum and it's just something uh, wonderful, something that not too many people get to see. It's a phenomenon that his daughter Peter also doesn't take for granted. Well, being here, this is like, oh, I'm going to get emotional. Um, yeah, it's coming home. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I love it. It's beautiful. The Arabana Deary and Wankanguru Yaliandi woman can't remember the last time she saw Air Creek flowing like it is now. I went camping just before the desert got cut off, but I haven't been to this particular area since 2019 when we came out. I grew up out here. It looks so good. I'm just waiting for all the Yalka Yalka to come out so I can take my grandbaby out there and, and show him what all that is. I've been showing him food around town and stuff, and I've sort of realised that he's sort of just grabbing things are putting in his mouth now, so I'm trying to teach him not only do that when we're there, bub. <laughs> 400 kilometres north of Birdsville is the channel country town of Bulya, and Shire Mayor Rick Britton is enjoying the fruits of rain and flooding. Mother Nature at its best. I mean, you know, she gives us a few rough trots every now and again, but I think that's just a bit of character building, what that does, and the, to build a strong character, the good seasons are rewardful for handling those things. The country is probably looking at the best it's been in well, a decade, you know, we've been drought declared since 2013, so pretty bloody good. This country, when it's on, it's on. It's just the colours and even, like you said, if you hear daylight when the sun rises or rose, yeah, just how the colour changes. Forty kilometres out of town is Grazier Brook McClinchy, who, along with his young family, calls Badalia Station home. That's him, bud, you got him up there. Last flood level is probably about there somewhere, so what's that? couple inches but yeah it's a lot of water a lot of water the georgina river which flooded in march this year and flows all the way down to lake air also runs through his property it made for a wet start to the year we had a not a bad season last year 2022 wasn't a bad season yeah we got a good six inches seven inches and then it started raining at christmas time like a week before christmas just beautiful just that Every day or every second day there's a rain, misty squall, and it was beautiful, which um, set us up good. And there's big rain up north, Mount Isa, across there, got um, good rain. So the Georgina had a good flood back in um, December, January sort of thing. Yeah, real good. But yeah, they had big rain up north there, um, camel wheel and all those fellas, as you already know. So yeah, and then a big flood come down to Georgina again, which was, um, yeah, pretty cool to see. Massive big flood, eh? So oh, I was a bit of a bugger because we took all the cattle out earlier on to let it get away and it was knee deep and green and that double flood or second flood just sort of wipes out what you had so it's like you're not you're not greedy but it's like you know you only get so many floods and um, to get two big floods in one year is sort of it's a waste you know because it just sent all our all the feed in here went black just um in about three days it went from knee deep green to, to black as your boot and just smelled like a pigsty you know all the all the oxygen gets taken out of the soil, I guess, all those microbes and all that stuff in there die. And um, so it's a bit tough going, but it's coming back green again now. So it's um, it's beautiful and got a heap of cattle in there, but it probably won't come back as good as it was, but it's good to see such a big, big flood too. A welcome sight for Brooks' kids, Sam, Wyatt and Haley. Um, when there was a lot of water in here, I was thinking, wow, it's so much water. Uh, I haven't seen that much water for a while. Actually, I've never seen that much water before. <laughs> Sam caught a few fish by hand on the road where the car tracks. Haley tried, but I don't know if she did or not. I got one. Ah, oh, well I got a few too. Um, I've seen a few turkeys and emus and cattle, 
be really nice to see a lot of that water again. Reporter Dan Prosser put together that story from Queensland's Channel Country that's blooming with life after floodwater flowed through the region. There's a great online story with photos and video that give a beautiful bird's eye view of the country where water has brought a flush of new green growth. You'll find it by heading to the ABC website. Just look for the A Big Country program page. I'm Clint Jasper with you for A Big Country. Still to come, we're meeting some of the riders tapping into their inner cowboy and taking on the country's fastest growing equine sport. And we'll visit a cattle station in Western Australia's Kimberley region where an intensive training program is helping young people get a start in the pastoral industry. As Joey Prendergast reports, it's also changing lives. They're always on country. You smell fresh air, peace and quiet, no music loud, no police sirens, no people arguing, you're just peaceful. At Roebuck Plains Station near Broome in Western Australia's Kimberley region, 17-year-old Quinton Skeen is part of a team of workers in the cattle yards. He loves working with cattle, horses and mustering on buggies. But it wasn't that long ago his life was on a different path. I was in a real rough patch back at home. And I was like, I'm sick of this, you know. I'm just wasting my life. I'll go do something, you know. I'll have a crack. Yeah. And now I've got, got a job, doing good. Got a good family here out on the station. Yeah. What do you think life would have looked like, Quentin, if you hadn't come to Roebuck? Um, well, most likely I would have been in jail right now. If I got just on the street, I would have been in jail right now. How do you feel within yourself now? Now I feel very proud on what I've accomplished and how far I've come, you know. Home for Quinton is Halls Creek, a town about 700 kilometres from Broome, where the community struggles with high youth crime rates, poor school attendance and poverty. Roebuck Plain Station is owned and operated by traditional owners of the Broome area, the Yaru people. The property hosts a unique pastoral training program where Quinton and other young people have found a sense of place and purpose in the industry. Uh, my name is Benjamin James McKenzie. I'm the head stockman. Um, I started as a trainee about seven or eight years ago and just worked my way up. What's your role in, in training people here? Start from ground level and work them all the way up. Most trainees we get, most of them succeed. They, they finish the training ship and go to other stations. Trainees learn about all aspects of work in the pastoral industry, from building fences to working cattle. They then find employment on other properties or continue to work on Roebuck. At least 70% of the Roebuck Plains workforce are Indigenous people, and everyone here at some stage has completed the training program. These programs, like there should be more of them, pre-employment programs, you know? Like, just give kids a chance, you know? That's all they're looking for. There's just, just nothing for them at home, you know. They're having meetings and stuff like about it, but they're not actually talking to the boys one-on-one. -on -one. They're just all assuming, oh, it's the housing problem, you know, it's alcohol, it's all that. But I can tell you right now, it's not all of that. Lexi Morimbine is the program coordinator. Watamadala Mugulaya program, it's a rise up to work. It's an eight weeks intensive program where we get them out on country, working in the yards, working with horses, cattle, any industry skill set that is implemented on stations. So it's people looking for that, that first step into the pastoral yeah, industry? Yeah, yeah. You've got social problems when people get bored, when they can't do what they want to do. Does this 
help alleviate that oh, in a way. Oh, absolutely it does, yeah. Um, so during that program, it's not just focused on like working out on, culture, out on country or in the yards, it's also working on themselves, like personal development. We have like the third um, space element come through where they work on themselves and we've got a guy come in. Then I've also got um, stock handling where they can get comfortable. It's not only just learning about cattle, but it's learning who you are around cattle. So it doesn't just stop that they when they're doing their training. We've got um, we've got like two years with them and developing them, and then on from they're like happy to keep on. You know, if we they need advice, that we're fine with that. But for the two years, it's focused on keeping them like engaged and, and making sure that their well-being is good. And and um and so like if if we can help support that, then that's where we're. And most of the people working here on Roebuck are Indigenous and they've also done this training program at some point. Yeah, so we've got um, guys that have been in here from when it first started and, and now guys that in their first year and it's good to see that, you know, that, that what they've learnt over the years now they can contribute to the guys coming up and like step up and, you know, for the next one as well. Like it, we have a great relationship where we can perform um, an, an like one next year and it'll be even better than this year. I heard you had 37 applicants 37 applicants. It was very hard but the, we ended up with uh, 12 and 11 graduated. And are and they all in employment now? Nine of them are. Two of them uh, are, were from the Pilbara and sort of like that trying to get them back up this way as well. So I've gotten some great feedback on the guys just even just Having that little bit of confidence on working with horses, because horses, you know, can be a bit scary for someone who doesn't has never been around horses, and and the feedback was that it was great to get them prepared for that. Is there a reluctance within the pastoral industry to employ young, inexperienced people? Do you think? Yeah, I, I think there is. It's just because there's a lot of accountability on the station and like OHS and all that, so it, there is a bit. But I think if if you can get something prior to that then it'll help you a bit more uh, which is why this program works really well. Just seeing like the guys that have graduated this year um, from that eight-week program and getting placement you, you definitely see the growth in from the guys like from the first day then they're all like really quiet and, and unsettled and then now you they're like walking up to you and with their smiles and just you know you've done something right. And how does it change their life do you think if, if they couldn't have done this some of the paths that they were on what sort of difference does it make? I think it was not being able to, like not having someone that believed that they could do it. I think that's that's what the problem is there, I reckon, because you look at these guys and, and you put in the effort of getting to know them and putting in that time to say, well, actually, they're really talented young followers. So I think that's key. Yeah. So where to from here? Because you've obviously got a lot of interest, 37 applicants in one year. Where do you see this program going? Oh, it definitely could be a hub for a bigger, definitely in like they're all talking about expansion and over, over to like East Kimberley and stuff like that. So definitely a bigger one where we can make sure it's, it, it's got like proper structure and all that stuff. Like the structure is great here, but room for improvement is just always better. It's a bit of a race, so it's pretty, it's meant to be extreme. Um, so yeah, I thought we'll try it and, um, and ever since then I've been hooked. On a cool early morning on her rural cattle property, the horses are being saddled. Deb McGee has always had a passion for riding and she wanted to take that drive from a trot to a gallop. Initially I got my horse um, because we have a cattle property and we were just mustering on the horses and I really loved the, love riding the horse. 
and um, and so I thought I needed to do a sport but I'm not the type of person to do dressage or anything refined um, I just love to have fun Deb started competing in extreme cowboy racing 18 months later and she's the Australian novice champion it's just amazing so love it the horses love it well I think they love it <laughs> um, yeah so doing very well Extreme cowboy racing is Australia's fastest growing equine sport. Competitors ride in an arena, navigating obstacles at speed. Southern Cross Extreme Cowboy Vice President Janine Greaves says it's completely different to other equestrian sports. I would probably describe extreme cowboy racing as an obstacle course on horseback. Uh, you've got a whole range of different disciplines that are incorporated into the one sport. and. Um, yeah, you don't quite know what you're going to get when you turn up to a comp and um, it's a whole lot of fun. Competitors are scored for their horsemanship and speed as well as their ability to complete the obstacles. Basically you're pointed on each obstacle um, and then there's three parts to the pointing of the obstacle so uh, you have a maximum of one and a half points for your approach to the obstacle and one and a half points for your departure from the obstacle. So even if you can't complete the obstacle itself, you can still perhaps get three points for your approach and departure if you, if you do that nice, nice and cleanly. Um, the obstacle itself is then pointed. So you add up all your obstacle scores, then you add in your horsemanship score and then the time comes into it as well. We put it all into the spreadsheet and it gives us a score, an overall score. Extreme Cowboy Judge James Scott says obstacles can vary from a water crossing to lassoing a cow. Like we might have a rope gate or a solid gate. Um, you might go and do some rope, look, go and catch a cow. So we'll bring it in here to catch a dummy steer or we've had in the past where we've had it towed behind a side by side or you step up bridges uh, if you're coming into a creek crossing and you've got to step up. It helps build your trust in your horse and you know puts you in situations where you've got, sort of got to work together, team build a fair bit together. And just to keep the riders and horses on their game, the obstacles and order change every competition. You'll get courses very close but you'll never come across the same course twice and you don't know until the day, 10 minutes before you walk out. Ms Greaves says the crowds really add to the atmosphere. We are quite loud in our sport. It's not like other equestrian sports where you can't even clap until the very end. Um, we're not like that at all. We cheer, we yahoo, we encourage people to do the same. If you see a, a rider do something that you think's amazing, you know, give them a big cheer. Tell them, you know, they've, they've done awesome and spur them on. We have loud music going. Um, yeah, it is, it's quite a party sort of atmosphere. Despite its growth in popularity, there are fewer than 15 extreme cowboy racing clubs in Australia. So, club members travel to regional shows to encourage more riders to give it a go. So we're, we're really keen to um, help and promote other clubs if they, you know, want to get involved. Um, we're basically mentoring people to start a club. and um, So yeah, anyone can get involved. It doesn't matter what kind of horse you have. You can come and ride on your little pony. You can come and ride on your 20-year-old quarter horse. You can come and ride on a thoroughbred. Um, as long as you have a good relationship with your horse and your horse is, is safe, um, then yeah, we welcome absolutely all kinds of horses. Mr Scott says despite the extreme name, cowboy racing is actually all about having fun. It is a lot of fun. When, when you get into it and actually understand the basis of behind, what's behind it, it challenges you. It's, and it's a personal challenge. It's not, it's not so much a challenge out of the competition, it's a personal challenge that, you know, it's not to show your faults or anything like that. It's 
you come you come and you see what you can achieve and then you can go home and well I'll work on that and then you can see what else you achieve can achieve next time. As for Deb McGee, she's continuing to hone her craft as she turns her attentions to the World Championships in Texas this November. With my horse Cassidy, um, we don't even have to try anymore. It's just so easy to go over the obstacles. Um, but I'm still looking for new obstacles all the time, just to challenge the both of us. It's just, no, you've got to give it a go. It's, it's really great. Challenge yourself, challenge your horses. You've got to smile and you've got to have fun. Yeah. Deb McGee from Mount Maria, north of Bundaberg in Queensland, ending that report by Pat Heaney. You'll find more on that story and all of the stories on today's program on the ABC homepage. Just look for the A Big Country program page. That's the show for today. I'll be back next week with more great stories from regional Australia. I'll talk to you then. listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.